0: Welcome to the next episode of our Insights Series hosted by BSI in partnership with McAfee. I'm Stephen Bowes, the Global Practice Director here at BSI Consulting. I'm delighted to be joined today by Nigel Hawthorne, who's the Cloud and Privacy spokesperson for McAfee, and Lorraine Orr, a uh, Cybersecurity and Data Protection Consultant here at BSI. In today's podcast, what we're going to talk about is the blurred lines of remote working and also the shadow IT elements of it, which is obviously quite topical uh, at the moment. So with that in mind, let's talk about the background to this. Obviously 2020 has been a year of disruption um, and we've seen what is extensively the the biggest technology experiment the world has ever seen in March 2020 when globally organizations had to shift from a kind of a hybrid remote working and office environment out to an almost exclusively remote uh, working environment. And Stanford University Research uh, had a look at this in terms of capturing this. And what they found was in 2019, 18% of the workforce had were working full time from home. But by June, 2020, three or four months into the into the COVID-19 situation, it was up to 42%. So over double the amount of people working full time from home, obviously that 42% doesn't count critical workers and others who cannot work remotely. Um, the other element to consider is not just from the technology perspective, but it's also from the medical perspective that you know, without the ability to work from home, the economy would have collapsed. And that's the financial side of things that if we had not got this capability, a lot of companies wouldn't have been able to transact and to stay afloat so that's a very big uh, tool in in the financial uh, element and uh, armory is the ability of people to work remotely and secondly from a medical perspective it is a crucial weapon in our fight against uh, not only covid-19 but also potentially future pandemics because it's a tool that can be used that we can that people can work from home the economy can survive and that's medical that that's a medical um you know piece of defense that we have so this remote working is not just a technology discussion it's a financial discussion and can be a medical discussion as well so this podcast we're going to talk about some of the considerations around remote working and also the blurred lines that can occur as a result of it and we're also going to talk about shadow IT, the use of services and devices that are not sanctioned by the IT department. So the first one we want to talk about is physical security, obviously that's the big one, that's the big, that's, it, that's something everybody sees where people have have lifted and shifted from the office to home. Um, you know when we're speaking about assets within the company, what are the key assets? Well the key assets primarily are the people, um the data and then of course the actual assets themselves the laptops desktops, servers, stuff like that so from an asset management perspective these devices are now no longer in a centralized location and how do we track on them and keep them safe so from a physical security perspective what we would say to um, our customers is to review your workspace and your and your home security because your home security now is the, you know is is in the supply chain for the organization are you working in a secure location um you know do you have the locks on the windows and doors and what you would expect in a hq what you would expect in an area office it's very important to have that to make sure that you're at the end of the day that asset has data belong to the organization on it that you're creating so so the the inventory asset is very very important where the location is the security around the physical security locks doors, is the as is, is the asset in sight is the mobile phone the laptop tablet in sight is it easy accessible from a, a you know a low window stuff like that very very important to, to ensure that you have physical security around that. The other side of things, of course, is around data security, um, which we'll touch on later on in the podcast. And of course, identity security. So because your identity is your corporate login. So you know, Stephen Bowes at BSI Group.com, something like that. That's your identity. So we're obviously using that now at the edge, in the house or, or in your remote locations, remote workforce. So you know, what is the security we've put around that? Have we put in you know, multi-factor authentication, single sign-on, having provisioned applications. You know, what is the story around password complexity and all that jazz? So really, securing the identity and wrapping that into to the asset itself. And um, a key other topic in consideration that needs to be thought about is is privacy, uh, especially with the blurred lines. Lorraine, if I could bring you in, data privacy when working from home. What are some of the key considerations uh, that people do need to have a think about?
1: Thanks, Stephen. Well. The thing is, you know, you're working from the office and then suddenly you find yourself working from home. It's quite hard sometimes to actually find a space. So, you know, you're used to having your own desk space in, a, in an office environment. Working from home can be very difficult. I've seen people working on kitchen benches or being locked up in the loft without a proper work environment, you know, cold cold rooms but from a privacy point of view it's really important to make sure that you can continue operating as you normally would so you don't have interruptions as far as possible from other people coming in or you know it's, it's about being able to um, continue working without other people accessing the information that you're that you've got to your hand really so making sure that you've got a good workspace making sure that you're not going to be interrupted having things like privacy screens you know you can get privacy screens on your computers to to sort of stop other people coming and seeing what you're working on if that's part and parcel of your role um you know we have password protection a lot of the types of security controls that you have in the office will just be passed on through to the home environment things like as i say password control um if you're transferring emails you know it might be now that that we're not transferring over our usual network so where people have VPN access it means that's great we can we can use the uh, all of the facilities that we would normally have the networks through the the office environment but you know there's the Wi-Fis that people are using sometimes they're not secure and it's important to make sure we've got the security controls around those and a lot of the time it's just about telling and informing individuals what they can and cannot do you know making sure that they're aware that if they do have a Wi-Fi that they're actually putting passwords on their Wi-Fi, making sure that when they're at home, you know, the passwords that they're using to access any of the systems, the applications that they're protected as they normally would be in an office. Um, so yeah, we've got to avoid the data breaches, haven't we, as well in the working environment. And when you're working remotely, um, I've seen many cases where that all goes out the window and people completely forget that we need to continue to protect data.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I'll come in on a couple of those points, if I may, Lorraine. The 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 Wi-Fi, you're on a shared network now. It's a home network. So what we would say to people, it depends on on how, how clued people are in. But you know, if possible, you should create another channel on on which your Wi-Fi router, if if you have to, you know, if you if you're aware of that capability. And what that does is, as people have seen on various calls with Zoom and Teams and others, what happens is there seems to be this kind of degradation of performance. Um, as, as the kids come back from school, as Netflix gets fired up, as the PlayStation gets put on, suddenly the, people's Wi-Fi you know, gets hammered. And suddenly the zoom call loses quality, you see jitter uh, you see delay uh, I'm going to turn my camera off because i can't I can't see you guys I'm fro you know so the user experience becomes can become quite uh, limited as against working in hq working in area office where you've got a higher level of bandwidth in, in a more controlled way so one one thing you can do if you wish to do so is to create a channel uh, on the router you can create it, it, a channel has a numeric value it could be channel 18 and and you can just make that available to your device and what that means is you can allocate bandwidth to that from your from your router let's say 10 megabytes 20 meg whatever you have available and take a subset of that apply that into the policy and then you would have that dedicated channel no matter what happens on the Wi-Fi network um, then you would have a guaranteed bit of bandwidth for you to conduct work business you could even create a new SSID which is the identifier for the Wi-Fi network and um, for work give it an you know an abstract name whatever and make it only available to yourself but obviously it's have its own passwords no one else has access to that and again that would be another way of securing your own corporate network and extending your corporate network in a more secure fashion and that would also not just improve the user experience but also the performance because you're guaranteeing that bit of bandwidth Um, we would also say of course on the wi-fi networks these routers they come in from the default uh, settings from, from Sky, from Virgin, Photophone, whatever your ISP is, we would advocate, obviously, change the password. They're, they're coming in with default values, and these default values are circulating on the Internet. And, um, you know, people, you know, you have the routers nowadays are coming more antennae. They have better performance and better range. And indeed, people are supplementing them with with extenders, they're supplementing them with with mesh networks. And as a result, your signal could be picked up 60 feet down the road, literally, um, across garden space. Somebody five doors down could potentially pick it up. And if you do it yourself, look at your phone and go show available networks, you'll you'll see people in various locations around you, especially more so if you live in an apartment where you've got more condensed housing um, um, and potentially less insulation between blocks um your wi-fi network could be exposed to to quite a number of people so that's something to, to consider it's no longer just a home network uh, the, the previous discussion oh, i'm only looking at netflix what, what 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 damage will it do well now you're looking at teams and you're looking at other stuff so yeah user experience user performance uh, is, is key to, to all of that uh, speaking of uh, you know uh, zoom calls and stuff collaboration obviously has, has increased dramatically this year nigel from your side what are your thoughts and uh, considerations people need to think about from a collaboration perspective
2: yeah I, you talked there about lots of networking functions and looking at the uh, conduit of traffic uh wi-fi etc but i'm really quite interested in the number of new tools new applications that we're using as you say teams uh, webex all of this sharing of uh, your video and you know what's behind you in there sharing of your screens many of us are in meetings where we're sharing a screen And that brings in another problem. Um, Perhaps an email comes in and the email app interrupts your desktop with a message title that is pretty sensitive. So we've got to recognize that though these great new tools have enormous levels of functionality, that sometimes we need to turn them off before we start our broadcast out to the world
0: absolutely and speaking of that i mean what you're talking about there you know it ties nicely to the next topic which is data security so with the with the people now living and working remotely uh we we think data is very very important at the end of the day endpoint devices are the basis upon which all data is created and edited uh, if you think of any data that you create, whether it be a Word doc, a, a, amending an email, replying to an email, whatever it is, it all occurs in the endpoint. You you form your document. Of course, what do you do then? You, you save it somewhere. You save it to a shared drive, either in the cloud or on, on-prem, or you send an email, whatever it is. But the content is being created in the asset. So there's a copy in the asset, which is why, of course, you know digital forensic acquisitions are so successful at retrieving images and artifacts and documents because they're saved in various locations in the in the operating system in temporary locations save the memory and so on so data security is very important so the two areas we would say to people to really think hard about is data encryption and endpoint protection so obviously data encryption is exactly that encrypting the hard drive making sure that if that asset does fall to the wrong hands someone does put a opens the window walks in the back door while you're being distracted at the front door or vice versa and they make off with the assets when they when they open up the assets and um, they get it, they get presented with it, with it, with it, an encryption prompt uh, at the end of the day, they're doing it for money. They're not, n- nine times out of ten, they're probably not worried about your data, that the primary aim will be a monetary aim. But of course, other people uh, further up the food chain in terms of the criminal network can see the value, not just in the assets uh, of you know a ThinkPad or, or a Dell device, but also in terms of actually what data is on that. And we've seen that time and again, various um, data breaches where people have left laptops in the back seats of cars, windows being broken, the assets taken, they, no one knew that was a health service. Uh, executive or, or or law enforcement or whatever, uh, but that came to light afterwards. But data encryption, very important. One of the key challenges of data encryption, of course, is, is the management of it remotely. And as anybody who has worked with BitLocker, which is a Microsoft encryption methodology, or indeed using open source like VeraCrypt, um, and, and other uh, commercial tools um, the difficulty is of course if that password is forgotten if there's an issue with the key then the asset has to go back to HQ and the IT guys have to get their hands it. there's no other way to retrieve so it can be quite challenging and the other point, point is obviously endpoint protection and I, I call that out in actually two ways one is the traditional way which is what we think about anti-malware antivirus and of making sure that the updates are getting applied to that so we would say to people with your with your endpoint protection make sure if you can have a cloud base, because that way you can reach all endpoints. Otherwise, you're building a dependency into having a VPN connection back to the office to sync. Uh, And not everybody will establish a VPN connection on a regular basis if they don't don't have a need to do so. And therefore, the devices can get out out of sync quite quickly. So operating system updates, um, antivirus, anti-malware updates, and then also, finally, having a th- you should consider data protection. You should consider how do you protect the data on these endpoints? Um, it is it valuable to you? If it is, it should be protected. It should there should be some form of backup program in place protecting that data. And if there is an issue with the laptop, not just loss, but also if it's if it's malware, if it's corrupted, system failure, you know, hardware failure on the board if you have that data backup, what you can do is you can provision a blank laptop, apply the image from the HQ, ship it out to to the relevant person, and then using the backup software, authenticate you are, say you are, and then restore from the previous last known good. And that gives a far better user experience than somebody who has their documents populated, you know, their their desktop populated, et cetera, that somebody just getting a blank vanilla laptop from from HQ. So these are some of the key considerations and that'll improve not just the protection, as we say, protection for the individual and the organization, but also uh, improve the user experience and minimize the downtime, especially depending on what the function that person has, they could, they could be billable. They could be a consultant. They, they, you know, they could be being charged per hour and any, any loss of time there has a, a really negative impact on, on the books, uh, apart from the asset loss itself. Um, so moving on from data security, I mean, policy management. Look, a remote workforce, they're going out there, they're on the ends of APNs or cloud, policies. Lorraine, from your side, policy management is very important. What are some of the key policies and details that should be considered in this new remote working environment?
1: Right, well, people factors are really important and this is where the policy side comes in as well as obviously the training and awareness aspect. Um, But many companies have actually got policies that they then use for individuals when they're out in the field or as we say remote working, things like acceptable use policy, what you can and can't do with your devices. And that's fine and dandy when you're using works equipment or devices. But when suddenly you've got the ability to use your own, maybe log on to the works email via your own device, then some of these security controls and data protection controls actually are not then put into play. So The acceptable use is really important it's almost like a training and a guidance isn't it for individuals let them know what they can do what they can't do are they allowed to use some um, social media sites or um, tools for example WhatsApp in order to communicate information between their work colleagues were they allowed to use it in the office environment does that now allow them to use it in the home environment so being very careful and detailed as to what individuals um, are expected and what is expected of individuals i think is really important from a privacy point of view and when it comes to other policies you've got bring your own device policy which now it's it's questioned as to whether or not we should be moving in that direction but again i work with many organisations that have suddenly been enforced um, individuals out to the home environment not necessarily having the equipment available and therefore having to allow them to use their own devices without proper policy set up and this has caused all sorts of issues because um there's no partitioning between the work information and the private information people are being concerned that you know you try and get them to download an app to you know partition between the two environments but what happens there you know am i being monitored can you then delete all my photos off my phone or off my device that i'm using there's all sorts of questions so when it comes to the policies as i say the important aspect is to Remember that an individual only do as much as they're told, and we can't expect them to do much more. You know not everyone has common sense, so we can't rely on common sense.
0: Now, some really good points there and and two of them that really stuck out there is um you mentioned briefly security awareness training. look, the bottom line is when you when you this is about mindset, and when people walk into a building uh, into into a, into an area office or hQ, whatever it is and um, they go through probably some physical checks probably some swipe cards sign in whatever it is the procedures they have in the desk in the area they make their way to the desk they've got colleagues left right front and back there's IT departments other stuff there's a mindset there, so when they are opening up emails and when they are, um, you know, navigating the right through web page and stuff, there's a mindset in there, and there's a policy in place, as you say, an awareness policy, and there's training. There should be training involved and, and some, fit, you know, simulation exercise. And what happens is, if they do make a mistake um, whereby they've clicked on a link or they've opened the email and they see something happen, of course, um, nine times out of ten people w- will report it. You know, it will be spotted. Somebody will see a reaction. What's happened? To show me. Oh, we better ring IT. Whatever it is. However, from a, when you're working from home and the difference between that situation and where you simply get out of bed, get washed, have some breakfast and open up your laptop, and away you go to do work that's your new the new norm effectively to, to some degree um there could be a different mindset and people could be clicking on links and not telling anybody there's nobody you know beside them to say you shouldn't have done that or show me this or whatever and what can happen is that links can go clicked and um and bre- not breaches but just you know that malware can be downloaded and, and IT will find out after the fact, they'll find out further on down the kill chain. So um, so from a mindset perspective, I think it's very important for organizations to communicate to employees that, you know where you're working at home is your work environment, then you must adopt an, an office mindset at home, even though you're not physically in the office. So I think that's very important. I uh, think the other piece uh, you mentioned there, WhatsApp. So yeah, communications channels. And of course, WhatsApp is encrypted end to end. So um, you know, it's going to be harder for organisations to have governance over what is being said, what is being shared on WhatsApp, because like law enforcement, organisations won't have any master keys to get into those channels. They're also created normally per the identity of the of the phone user, and if that phone is not an asset of the company, um, if it's a private device, as you say, uh, Lorraine, BYOD, and they might re- refuse access to it, and and they, all kinds of communications could be going through that channel. So it has to be very carefully considered what the posture of the organization is when it comes to stuff like that so some really good points there and, and just to finish off on this section uh, what we'll say of course that except exception management is perfectly fine we, we you know when you're using technology it's perfectly fine to put some exceptions in place for specific users and for specific applications um, I've dealt with companies for example that have dealt with uh, in the legal profession they have to access the law library in New York for example and this is for specific legal texts are available for for a uh, in 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 courts of law and so therefore the restrictions there is is around having a specific IP address which has to be whitelisted to gain access to the New York library. Um, So what would have to happen then is, from an exception perspective, is is for those used to be provided with static IPs and for those IPs to be communicated to the provider. So IP listing is perfectly fine for, for those type of things. But the key to any exceptions management is to ensure that those exceptions are documented and that they're measured on an ongoing basis and reported so that, from a governance perspective, there's awareness within the IT department of awareness and the management structure of these applications and exceptions, and it's, be, it's been it's been controlled. Um, which brings us nicely into the next section around shadow IT. Um, Nigel, probably best place to, to do this. What, what's the definition of shadow IT for our organisations, and what are some of the key elements that make up you know, the world of shadow IT?
2: Yeah, well, shadow IT, as far as I'm concerned, is any time that either an individual or a group are using technology that hasn't been actively sanctioned by the corporation. So it could be software, it could be cloud services, it could be BYOD, for instance, I've got next to me a corporate laptop, but my own personal phone. And what we need to do is look at these things before they occur. So actually some of the things you were talking about, exception management, et cetera, It's no good doing it after the fact. But yeah, what is your stance on WhatsApp? What is your stance on people accessing services that haven't been approved? Because it's not always bad. You know, often the reason people have chosen to use these um, shadow services is because they're innovative, because they are something that can improve the productivity of the individual or the group.
0: yeah absolutely and you know you are correct what are some of the key key questions that that needs need to be posed uh, within within the various uh, governance sections in the organization so exactly what cloud service are you using can you quantify that do you know what they are and you know what their functionality is are you know people will circumvent controls that are in place if that means they can get the job done if they, if they can make things work we've seen it time and again Nigel we've seen it with, with, with file sharing we've seen it with creation of pdfs uh, and very not just PDFs, but also just converting documents from one type to another depending on, on on what what the client wants etc the other key consideration i might get Lorraine's thoughts on this one is, is about where is your data you know especially if you're using cloud services Lorraine what, what are your thoughts on that around geolocation and jurisdiction
1: yeah so this again comes down to monitoring doesn't it you know it's actually identifying where an individual is located which is personal data so we need to make sure from a privacy point of view that we've covered that we've got the right privacy policies and procedures in place understanding you know what you're using and monitoring you know why you're monitoring all the lawful basis for um doing these sorts of activities need to be defined so we need to really take a risk management approach make sure we understand why we're using the geolocation services um, and you know what does this mean what impact does this have on a data subject is it Intrusive into, you know, their own personal lives, or even if it's in a work environment, or especially when they're working remotely, as we are at the minute. What does that mean as far as the information that's being collected and transferred? So there's all the legal um, aspects to be considered. You know, data protection laws and regulations. We've got the GDPR as well. We've got the UK Data Protection Act. Um, There's lots of uh, requirements and um, ways to manage what we're doing um, as far as the privacy aspects of individuals.
0: Yeah, and from a cloud perspective, Nigel, I mean, you know, not every cloud service is the same. Uh, different different cloud services have different, I suppose, risk ratings or profiles. Like, what are some of the key considerations uh, our, our customers need to think about when they're looking to adopt a, a cloud service?
2: Absolutely. Let Let me um, come at it from two ways. You know, there's whether the service itself is high risk and separately whether how it's being used is a risk. So. Um, there are systems that will give you all sorts of uh, details on the services themselves, so do they encrypt data in transit, do they encrypt data at rest, where's the data stored, what are their terms and conditions, who owns the intellectual property, you might be surprised to find there's quite a lot of cloud services that say that they own the intellectual property that you might upload to them. So. There's those fundamental questions, and I think with the answers to those, you can start making a policy based on, is that service allowed to be used at all? The second question is whether a service could potentially be used in a dangerous manner. So let's think that the service itself is considered okay from all of those attributes, but then it's how it's used by individuals. and. Let me give you an example of a service that a group that I am in uses, we use a service that allows us to allocate tasks to different people, add multiple people to a task, add attachments to those tasks, put them in priority order, et cetera. But we can also invite external people to be part of that task management system. And is that okay? Is that all right if all of a sudden somebody was to add in an attachment to one of the tasks that then can be seen outside? So I think what we need to do is recognize, uh, as Lorraine said, that we need to educate users about what's okay and what isn't and we do really need to look at all the services that people might be using and help them work out how to use them safely. Um, You know, even a a safe car can be driven dangerously, and even a well-defined, secure cloud service can unfortunately be a conduit for data loss if people don't understand how they should use it and how they shouldn't.
0: That's some good points there, absolutely, 100%. And uh, yeah, look, the bottom line is the governance is extended to the cloud the governance that you would put over over on-premise and and, uh, infrastructure, data center infrastructure, has to be extended to the cloud. So you need to understand and read the T's and C's of your your cloud service. Specifically, I'll call out uh, when it comes to resilience around your data. Um, you know a lot of the cloud services uh, have high levels of resilience when it comes to the, the standard infrastructural side of things in terms of power networking uh, etc uh, redundancy of disks and whatnot but they don't have such high levels of resilience when it comes to the actual data and it comes to backing up the data and time slicing it should be noted as well when you're adopting a cloud service and irrespective of if it's software as a service like office 365 salesforce stuff like that or if its platform as a service whereby you look after the uh, the application and you look after the database, or if it's infrastructure as a service where you're just given bare metal. Um, no matter what um, you know service offering that you deploy within your organization, um, from a shared responsibility perspective, you are responsible for the data. End of story. So even if you're using a SaaS system, the highest level, where everything is provided to you by the provider like Microsoft, Office 365, you populate Office 365 with data. Um, it's your responsibility as to how it's backed up and and what your requirements are in that space, whether they be minimal in terms of just you know backing up for production. Um, purposes so so in the event that you delete data you can restore and get back up and running or if it's if it's more wider than that if, it, if it's regulatory requirements if you have a requirement to back up for a certain at the time for financial pharmaceutical or otherwise medical so so data resilience very very important so look just to summarize up um to go to the call here uh, in terms of some of the, some of the considerations people should be looking at please do ensure your devices are patched uh, across, and think of every device in, in, this, in this in the chain from the router to your laptop your phone your mobile make sure at the highest level of patching just to offset the potential risk that people will uh, you know exploit vulnerabilities from a from an operating system and application perspective maintain make sure that there's strong security awareness in your house Um, you know in terms of not just the the standard stuff like wi-fi networks and, and passwords and stuff like that but also in terms of obviously adopting an office posture and awareness in your home environment so hover over your links make sure you're happy with the root domain name make sure that if you're navigating websites they have you know a secure padlock symbol so so that the the, the network is secured the the link between the browser and, and the service is secured make sure the site content is valid and um, especially when it comes to payments um, and report any suspicious activity to your IT team if you do make make a mistake if you do click on something and you get a black screen and it pops back and it's minimal and you've got, you're saying to yourself that i did i see that or not Make 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 the IT team aware of it. Let them know about it. They can track logs. They can they can segment networks. They can do all kinds of stuff to to, to mitigate the issues. Um, maximize your identity security. You know, if you have the capability to use single sign-on, password managers, long passwords, multi-factor authentication, please do take it up. Your IT department may very well be designating it uh, and looking after that, but do make sure that you you adhere to those ones. And certainly, as as Lorraine said, do not reuse passwords on multiple platforms, of course, because once one platform is done, then that can propagate and, and, and make things a lot worse. Um, you know, the, the blurred lines that Lorraine alluded to around personal activity on personal devices, and, and you've got work devices, are you doing personal stuff on work devices, and vice versa, We you need to unblur the lines. You need to clear that out. If at all possible, The the, the rule would say, look, try to avoid doing public stuff um, on, on your private uh, device. So so if you have some private stuff that you're doing, try not to do it on your work laptop, because unlike at home on your personal device, you are subject to policies, as Lorraine says, especially around acceptable use, and you may breach those policies, you may not notice it, but it may be noticed by the IT department, and you may find out after the fact in, in a certain format. So something to be aware of, and, and make sure that, yeah, your security awareness is, is, at a, is at the highest levels it can be, because you are an extension to your organization, you do represent your company in your remote location. Um, so that these are all key considerations. So look, Nigel, Lorraine, I wanna say my sincere thanks to you for joining me today. Uh, We look forward to welcoming you back for future episodes. To our listeners, we hope you've enjoyed our insight series on privacy, compliance, and the cloud. And many thanks for joining us. Um, In our next summit, we'll have a special episode discussing online shopping, security considerations, especially in light of the upcoming Black Friday and Cyber Monday events. We hope you could join us then. Thanks very much.